Okay, so last weekend we celebrated Easter. That seems like a really long time ago. I don't know about you, but we did. And we relived the final days of Jesus' journey on earth, his crucifixion, his death, and finally his resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus is the crux of our faith in God. He defeated the entirety of sin and death itself and proved himself to be who he said he was. Jesus died in our place, bringing us complete freedom for sin, from sin, and he gives us eternal life if we accept him as our Lord and Savior and follow him. That's last weekend in a nutshell. So today, I want to look at what came next for Jesus' disciples following his resurrection. And the Gospels all recount things a bit differently, but here's the picture that the Gospel of John gives us. If you want to turn to chapter 20... And we're going to look in at verses 19 through to 30. So chapter 20, verses 19 to 30. So this is the picture it gives us. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was standing with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life. I think that's missing from some of the translations, but it was in my translation. So the disciples were afraid. They were gathered behind locked doors, even eight days after their Lord's resurrection. So how did they go from living in such fear to boldly proclaiming the good news? So I want to go back to the verses we've just read in John chapter 20. Verse 19 and verse 26, Jesus appeared to them. And it's not only recorded in John's gospel, but in all four of them. Verse 19 and verse 21, Jesus brought peace to them. In fact, he was the peace in their midst. Verse 27, Jesus allowed them to touch his real wounds, which not only represented his suffering, but of what he overcame. And verse 21, Jesus sent them with the same authority that he had been sent. 
Verse 22, Jesus imparted the Holy Spirit, his spirit, by breathing on them. Does that remind you of when God breathed on Adam in the beginning, gave his life to Adam? So those things impacted the disciples. And these disciples were just a bunch of ordinary guys who messed up as regularly as me and you. But they encountered, they followed, and they served an extraordinary man, the Son of God, who turned the world as they knew it upside down. As they then encountered the risen Christ, they received the fullness of the message that they were then sent out to share, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And in Mark 16, 8, Jesus himself says, uh, sorry, it says, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. And I don't know where you are today on your journey of faith, but if you've chosen to follow Jesus, then you and I are as sent as those first disciples. We must now live our lives from a place of being sent by Jesus. We must live sent. That's the title of this talk this morning, is Living Sent. I hope that makes sense. And I'm so thankful to be living this side of the cross. For those of you who also believe, aren't you? Yeah. The Jesus that we encounter is the risen Christ, and we get to live in the good of what he accomplished. Following Jesus requires not just a one-time decision, but a daily decision from us to either live for self or to live sent. This means we must daily remind ourselves and align ourselves with God's purposes for our lives. So how do we do that? I want to go back to what we've already read, John chapter 20. Just like the disciples, we must encounter Jesus. There have been people who can testify to Jesus actually appearing before them. I don't know if anybody here has heard of that, but I've heard of that. But for many of us, the Jesus that appears to us is the one that comes alive as we read and we study the Bible. The same Jesus that brought peace to the disciples brings us peace as we get to know and understand him through his word. Although we can't touch Jesus' body like Thomas did, God is present with us all, at all times through the Holy Spirit. He's not limited to one physical body anymore, but he can be just as real to us as he was to Thomas. We are sent just as Jesus was sent by the Father, and we have the same mandate as him. And this is found in Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, and quoted by Jesus in Luke 4, 18 to 19. And I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with it, but I'm going to read it. So this is for you and me as well. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound. 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament, a garland or diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy, burdened and failing spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Wow, that's for you and me. That's our mandate. Just as Jesus breathed on his disciples and imparted the Holy Spirit to them, so we can freely receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's vital that we do so, as he is the one who empowers us to share the good news, to pray for the sick, to cast out demons, to comfort the brokenhearted, to set people free from sin and ultimately death. We can't do this in our own strength. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by God's spirit. Now, the disciples knew Jesus as a person, and they saw how he lived. They walked with him, talked with him, ate with him, prayed with him, followed him, served him, and loved him. And we must have this same relationship with Jesus if we are to be effective in sharing the good news to those around us. Jesus said in Luke 14, verse 33, no one can become my disciple without giving up everything. Following Jesus means allowing him to replicate his life in ours. Are we truly one of his disciples? Have we given up everything to follow him? Are we allowing him to replicate his life in ours? In order to be Jesus to others, we need to intimately know him. We need to spend time with him. And I want to encourage you to continually read the Gospels, as well as your other Bible reading. As Christians, we can become complacent in our faith because we think, well, our lives are sorted and, yeah, we've read that story before. But there is always so much more to glean The Gospels reveal to us the Jesus that we should be becoming like day by day. And they reveal the good news which we are commanded to take into all the world. And they also reveal what it will cost us. Like the disciples, we will face persecution. We see it happening in other parts of the world, don't we? But we will suffer too, possibly in less barbaric ways. But this is what Jesus meant when he said we must give up everything to follow him. I find that really sobering. Yes, we are promised an abundant life, but maybe it's not the abundant life we expect. Maybe it's not about abundance of possessions or money or holidays or cars. But as we live each day with Jesus, we receive the abundant gift of himself. I really like this quote by John Piper. He says, Don't measure the love of God for you by how much health and wealth and comfort he brings into your life. If that were the measure of God's love, then he hated the Apostle Paul. Measure God's love for you by how much of himself he shows you, how much of himself he gives you to know and enjoy. Jesus said of his disciples, 
they do not belong to this world any more than I do. And as followers of Christ, we are not of this world, but we are absolutely sent into it on redemptive mission. We are called to be Jesus to those whom access to God has been denied or discouraged, to open the way for them to find forgiveness by showing the kindness of Jesus, his redemption and his hope. So living the sent life is all about being missionaries. We are on a mission. I do believe that God can specifically call people out to different parts of the world to share the good news and serve people there. But we are most definitely called to be missionaries right where we are. Think about what you do day to day. You might be at home, at work, at school or college. You may go to clubs, hobby groups, sports groups, exercise groups. You might use the bus or the train to get to work or to go to the shops. These are all your mission fields. I don't want to forget social media either here because I believe that... It is just as much a mission field as anything else. It's a very dark place, and we need to be there with God's light shining in that dark place. Now, my main mission field at the moment is the school playground, as all my kids are in primary school, and that means that there are still quite a lot of parents around who who stick around. And I can talk to them and, and build relationship with them. And I also do a boot camp in my local park, which is another of my mission fields, literally. It's on a field. I'm also on Facebook and I write a blog. And I believe that those places are where I can communicate the good news. It's not rocket science. Be you becoming more and more like Jesus wherever your feet and your hands take you. Let's be prepared to also go where he leads us, which may be places we don't usually go to or live. If he tells you to go to outer Mongolia, go. After seeking wise counsel, of course. I want to encourage us all to be creative in our telling of the good news. Think outside the box. Don't try and replicate how somebody else does it. We can be inspired by people, can't we? But don't try and replicate that because you are you and you are a gift to this world. And the way that you share the good news is completely different to the person sitting next to you. And that's for a purpose and for a reason. Use the gifts, the abilities and talents he has given you in communicating his love his grace, his forgiveness. I've heard this quote by St. Francis of Assisi a lot over recent years. He said this, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. And I want to be a bit controversial because I don't agree with that. I think we must speak the gospel actually a lot more than we do, and we better make sure our lives back it up. In other words, we must practice what we preach. I do believe that we must serve people, meet their practical needs, and show them God's love practically. But there is nothing more powerful than the truth of God's word. We need to make sure that we know it and we understand it so that the Holy Spirit can help us speak the right words at the right time according to the wisdom that he gives us. And I'm not just preaching this to you. I'm speaking this to myself as well. Okay, so um, if you've ever been listening to me preach you'll know that I often do something practical and I want to get you to reflect on some questions and the reason why I want to do this is because we can hear words but sometimes it it just remains up here and I want us to really receive it in our hearts and um, really 
see how we can apply this stuff to our life. And I know that when somebody gives me a sheet of paper to take home, it will get put in a pile. And uh, you might not be like that, but I am. And um, so I want to give us some space, okay, while we're here, space and time. So there's five questions here. And I want you to just think about those, reflect. There's a bit of space if you want to write anything, that's completely up to you. And then I'd really love us to get into um, twos or threes and just maybe just share one of those um, things that has kind of challenged you. And then for us to pray together into those things, okay. So... Um, the questions are, and if, if somebody could be handing these out for me. Oh, thanks, Rizan. Um, so the first question is, am I a true disciple of Jesus? Have I given up everything to follow him? Question two, am I allowing Jesus to replicate his life in me? Question three, where has God placed you day to day? Where's your mission field? Question four, what are you most fearful of in sharing the good news and question five, what skills, abilities, and talents has God given you that can be used to creatively share the good news? Okay. Um, if what's been shared this morning has challenged you or provoked you or just um, spoken to your heart, I just want you to stand while I pray. Don't feel any pressure to, but if you have, um, just as a response to God this morning, but I'm going to pray for us so all. If we just shut our eyes. Uh, I won't shut mine because I've written my prayer down, but um, okay. Father, thank you that through your son, you've made a way for us to experience the fullness of a relationship with you. Thank you for the purpose that you've given us in life to become more like Jesus and to share the good news of who he is and what he has done with those around us. Thank you for equipping and empowering us by your spirit. Thank you that we don't have to live by our own strength, but everything we need is found in you. I pray that boldness would come upon the people gathered here uh, that when, and that when tomorrow morning arrives, they would remember the word that has come and that you'd help each one to live sent. Father, your kingdom come and your will be done in us and through us. Amen. Amen. In this house, we are real but we also make mistakes and when we do we make sure we say sorry we give second chances to anyone and we also have lots of fun in this house we definitely forgive we also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.